complicated ideas you need to explain to little people. But you realize it might not be as complicated as you think. This is the Wayward Podcast. Kim, pausing it. Okay, now. now okay, well now we're okay, ready. now we're gonna go. Okay, okay. Hi, Kim. <laughs> Hi, Brianna. Okay, guys. So we are somewhere brand new for our podcast record. We're in a different closet. I found your suitcase sticker on my sock. Oh, thank you. Yes, the the, the, the microphone is propped on a suitcase, and we are in a another closet. Yes. <laughs> Kim was so funny. She was like, I was thinking about being in the living room. There's curtains there. They might, and I was like, no, no, no. If you have a closet we can be in, we should be in that closet. <laughs> so it might sound a little bit like we're in a bomb shelter right now, but we are not. We are in a closet yes. in Vancouver. In Vancouver. Um, Kim is here working, which is my favorite thing ever because that means I get to see her without having to get on an airplane. Yay. Um, and... Turn the gain up a little bit. Um, I'm just taking a moment to look around this closet to go, how is this different? It's remarkably similar. There's still a white robe hanging. There is a white... You're right. Right? There's usually a white robe. There's beverages. There's beverages. There's bags of things, which may be new, but they also might not be. And there's lots of black... It's pretty monochromatic. of clothing. I walked in. I was like, oh, yeah, this is Kim's closet. No stuffed animals, though. Oh, wait. No. I do have a stuffed animal. I'm I not going to stop recording. My daughter sent me with a stuffed bunny, so I would have something yeah. to cuddle when I sleep. Valentina does the same thing. She'll usually throw a toy in, and she'll go, so you won't forget me, Mom. And I'm like, like, I'm good. Like, it's yeah. that easy. Just oh, like, my God. Oh, I gave birth. There's something I'm forgetting. Yeah, oh, so the cute. the little one. I know. She's a cutie. The little one. And that actually, that actually... This is almost a segue. Wait, should we warn people that we'll have another segue? Because this is another first for our podcast. Yes. So you guys are um, um, not witnessing, but like audioing, audio witnessing a historic moment as Kim and I um, will be recording our first ad today. We're very, very lucky. Um, to be partnering with the people that we're going to talk to you about today. But that's for later. Later. Technically mid-roll. But the good yes. segue we did have is the little ones. Yes. We thought I was having a conversation with a friend of the podcast, Emily. Emily. Hi, Emily. And um, we were talking about a thing that I told my daughter. And she said, oh, how do you explain big ideas to a little mind? Yeah. Um, because children, at least my child, and I found this is pretty consistent with children, have feelings that are just as big as grown-ups. Yeah. They're big, big feelings, but with little, little experience. So how do we discuss big concepts yes. to a brain that has small experience, but mm-hmm. big feelings about big concepts? It's, I don't know if you experience this, but uh, with Valentina, you know, she's five now. And it, what's fascinating is that I don't watch her experience feelings. I watch her develop them, almost as if she's growing hair for the first time. She's just like, what is this feeling I'm experiencing? You know? And so you're watching her kind of experience them, but for the very first time. And then she's going, Mom, what the fuck is this? And you're like, <laughs> um, So tell me about what happened with Tabby. Well, Tabby, I mean, Tabby's 
getting sorry sorry microphone oh, getting uh, incredibly verbal. I, I realize she has um, she's realizing the specificity of language. So she will say she will describe now something as ominous. Oh yeah, um, she will say she word. is flattered. She described something. She uh, was we were looking for uh, games, computer games that her cousin might like, and she suggested one. And she said, "It's uh, it's a magical experience oh and goodness. full of mystery." And I was like, "That's uh, that's pretty specific." So. I find that I need to be specific with how I describe things. Yeah. And um, the, I mean, I know this is heavy to lead off with, but one of the first things I had to discuss with her was the concept of death. Mm-hmm. Because she knows people die. Mm-hmm. She knows her pets die. But she doesn't know what that is. And that's really already like, oh, they go away and you never see them again. Like, I can't. And also the concept, explaining a concept like that um, gives the notion that you know the answer. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. So because of my own experience with death, um, I was, I was, weirdly, I have been fortunate enough to be present during a lot of people's mm-hmm. passing. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather uh genuinely pulled me so that I was making eye contact with him when he went. And it was a profound experience because he was in, he was hooked up to monitors. He was in a hospital. The heart, the, the heart, the breathing stopped, the heart stopped, everything stopped. And he was still, I was still making eye contact with him and he was still in there. And I, was talking to him and my mom thought I was hysterical. She was like, Kimmy, honey, he's gone. You need to let him go. I said, he's not gone. I could see him. And he spasmed and the, his eyes shut and then they opened again and there was nobody there. It wow. was like looking at a chair. And it was so profound for me because I realized that my grandpa, like he did everything else in his life, you know, Lieutenant Colonel in, Colonel in the army. He was like, he was amazing. He didn't go until he was ready to go. His body had stopped and he was still in there and then he went. And so what I tell Tabby is that we live in our bodies like we drive cars. The car will get us where we need to be, but it isn't us. And at some point, the car might not work anymore. So we choose to get out of it. Now, that is just my belief. But, and I think that obviously bodies do a lot of things that will encourage us to be done being in them anymore, like stopping. But I tell her all the time, we don't go until we're ready to go. And so now she has, she has a lot of anxieties about things. And she'll say, am I going to die? And I just mm-hmm. say, are you ready to die? She says, no, then you're not going to die. Mm-hmm. Are you going to die? Do I look like I'm ready to die? No, then I'm not going to die. We don't huh. go until we're ready. And I think... A lot of that takes the, because for Tabby, things that she is powerless over are terrifying to her. Right. And well, so, everybody really. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to talk about yeah. this, because how do I simplify enough so that I can be honest in my experience, mm-hmm. but still share something that makes it bite-sized for a 12-year-old brain to process? Mm-hmm. 
so the concept of death is just, I know somebody else said sometimes the batteries run out of toys. And sometimes we can change the batteries and sometimes the toy's broken. Mm-hmm. But that to me, that to me doesn't fulfill the part of me that believes there is an eternity afterwards, that there is a life force, that there is. And that's just something I feel comfortable telling her about. Do you find that there's kind of two conversations specifically with children and death? We're talking about this second, but the conversation of that a thing stops. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A bug, an animal, a human. And then what happens after it stops? It's like two, for me with Valentina, I don't think she has the capacity yet to go, what happens after? Mm-hmm. Right now she's just going, what does die mean? What does dead mean? And she understands that, I think at this point, based on um, dead bugs and dead animals that she's seen, birds or, yeah. you know, Yeah, she whatever. hasn't had a loss. That no, and we know like... Our cat will go sometime while she's a child because we've had him now for 10 years. Um, but, uh, yeah, she hasn't had a family member die. She has had a friend die, a child, who she was too young to even kind of broach the subject mm-hmm. of death with. with. Um, a conversation I had with her I don't know if we want to segue out of death quite yet. We can, yes. Okay. I, yeah, that's just how, I mean, because I did have that I get conversation. You, I get you. We can, we can happily, because I don't so, want it to go down a deep rabbit fair, hole. Fair, 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 fair. Um, Valentina, the conversations that I've had with Valentina recently that are big conversations that are almost past her capacity have to do with um, sh- shame, I think. Ooh, yeah. Because shame is what will... In my experience, learning what shame feels like is how you learn to do good things and not bad things. Okay. Um, so she will. She came home the other day and she was like, um, Mila, one of her best friends at school, uh, has been telling on me a lot. And I said, okay, well, why is she telling on you? Because I was being mean to her. But I apologized. And I said, well, why were you mean to her in the first place? And then she just started weeping. And you know it's because she's ashamed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, that conversation, she, A, she just didn't want to talk about it because it was a little big for her emotions. Yeah. Um, Because she was feeling things rather than thinking about things. Yep. but the feeling of shame for her is so uncomfortable. I think she understands that she doesn't want to feel them anymore. Um, um, I'm trying to think of like a recent one. I think with Valentina, the conversations are not as big, but they're, you know, I was saying to Kim earlier, I was like, okay, well, the conversations I have right now with her are what, like, everything is why. Well, because, honey, but why? And so she just really wants to get down to the nitty-gritty until you find out that you actually don't know why. You know, yes, I have discovered, not even that I don't know why, but how many concepts I make big. Um, I remember when we were talking about two of her dear, dear friends that are married that are both male. Yeah. And I I remember her going, "But, but they're both uncles yeah 
oh, and that was that. Yeah. I mean, my my brain leapt into how do I explain homosexuality? Yeah. How do I explain sexuality? And ge- how do I? Oh, wait a minute. So much of what I think I need to explain is actually me overriding programming, Old programming. that I have child, that yeah. says it's complicated. We had this conversation at the dinner table. Um, no, at breakfast. We had this conversation at the breakfast table last week talking about our elf on the shelf who was a girl in looks and in the box, but we named her Oscar. So now it's gender neutral. And so we had this conversation about, you know, gender not really existing. It's just kind of something that we are told that we have to believe in. Um, And uh, she grew up going, you know, girls have long hair, boys have short hair. And then we kind of had to go, no, no, no. Look at, you know, so-and-so. Look at Annie Kim. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, God, you guys, she has these two Legos that she got, and one of them has short hair, and it's Kim, and one of them has blonde hair, and it's Brianna. And she's, like, always plays with Kim. Um, (laughs) But that's the thing. It's, like, conversations like that, we did have to, you know, talk to her and go, you know, boys are allowed to. She also has a friend that um, is six years old and identifies as a girl. Um, but was not born a girl. And that was didn't have to be a conversation because it was present. Whereas in if we t- talk about sometimes this can be a thing, if it's not right in front of her, I feel like she doesn't quite comprehend it as much as it's like, oh, yeah, it's my friend. I mean, who cares about the rest of it? It's yeah. just my friend. So it's amazing how when you make something a non-issue, it's a non-issue for them. Yeah. You know? Or or when I allow the curiosity, I spend a lot of time, I've probably mentioned this, so I apologize if I'm repeating, but I spend a lot of time following in Tabitha's wake, apologizing for her questions. And ah. one of the things she's fascinated with is gender identity. And so she will ask people, are you a boy or a girl? Right. And I used to, D- don't, don't ask that, don't ask that. And I realized that was me making a problem right. where... Uh, and and then then how do you explain it? How do you talk to your child? How do you as opposed to okay, now you asked someone a personal question. How do you take responsibility for that? And I've said when you ask someone a question about their body, what do you do? And she said, oh, did that hurt your feelings? I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. And so I've ex- so in that conversation, instead of having a conversation about identity mm-hmm. and how we present to the world. I have a conversation about empathy and taking responsibility for the fact that sometimes my curiosity mm-hmm. has an impact on another person's experience. So show up for that. And because she has no judgment in her questions, mm-hmm. she has no fear showing up empathetically and saying, oh, did you experience something that wasn't my intention? And she has had someone say, yes, that actually did hurt my feelings. Mm, and she says, I'm sorry, that mm-hmm. wasn't what I meant to do. Yeah. And she means it. And also, when even though she does mean it and is sorry, what is her experience after? Like, for instance, Valentina would feel uncomfortable because it would make her uncomfortable to know that she hurt, especially if it was a grown-up's feelings. But what about Tabitha? In this case, it was not, she, Tabby really gives the world the dignity of its own experience. Mm -hmm. Um, She, 
is very open to other people's emotional experiences, Mm -hmm. but she also is kind of like, oh, so you're, so you're experiencing discomfort Mm -hmm. around, huh, go figure. Right. And that's just who she is. She's, she doesn't lack empathy, but she doesn't then obligate herself. Mm, That's great. Um, She does feel it with me. Mm. Uh, She does have it in certain things at school. Like there are, I know she has shame around certain things. But we give her another thing that I have explained to her, big feelings into little ideas, is sometimes feelings are so big we can't talk about them. It it makes them feel scary to even look at them. So you tell me when you're ready. We do need to talk about this, but you tell me when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And so she is very, if we hit shame right when she's still reeling from it, and I say, Tabby, what was your thinking? Why did you decide to, I do a lot of, why did you do yep. that? Yep. Which is not a great parenting technique. Uh, we all do it. But what were you thinking? And she'll say, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. You have the freedom to wait until this is processed a little bit. Yeah. I had another thing back off of that because we because it's time to segue. Uh, um, her period. She is starting. She's at the age where uh, body's changing. She's her body oh, wow. is moving into stuff, and they get the whole talk in school and this and that. And she asked if she was going to get her period, and what is a period? And I. This came to me, and I said it, and this is what Emily was like, you should share that. Um, I said that a mommy, and I just said a mommy, has a room in her tummy for a baby. And the blankets for the baby, because it's inside the body, are made of warm, nourishing, wonderful stuff that happens to be blood, because that's how we feed our bodies, and a baby is a little body. So in this room, there's this bed, and the blankets are ready. But nobody likes stale blankets. So every month, we change the blankets in the baby's room, just in case a baby shows up and needs the blankets. I did not go into sex yet. Sure. We aren't quite. She still thinks that sex is a, a naked man. No, she she's into. She thinks for some reason it's a man picking a woman up. Oh wow! Well. I'm like. I mean, sometimes. Uh, yeah, I get. I get. <laughs> All right. We're, we're. I mean, and she knows the the mechanics, but sexuality is a little out of it. Sure. But I just said that a period is when the blankets are being changed in the baby's room. Cute. That's. And I, I That's was a kinda, great idea. I was kind of proud of that. I honestly would not have thought about that. I also am ashamed to know. I don't think I know. That particular, I understand the egg being fertilized, and we've had those conversations because Valentina has seen me insert a tampon, and she's like, "What's happening there?" And I'll be like, well, "Let me tell you." Um, but she, she, you know, and then it's so funny of her to be like, "Dad, do you need a tampon?" And it's those are my favorite things. Oh, um, yay, tampons! Speaking of tampons, speaking of tampons, we have. Our first sponsor, which is Lola. I, a, I love the name Lola. Yeah. Isn't it kind of like it's, you know, the aunt who brings you hot cocoa. <coughs> it's like the little one who brings you flowers after a concert. It's kind of like the perfect embodiment of what it means to be female. Yeah. 
And Lola is a tampon delivery service. Am it's I a, correct? Yeah, I think it's a bunch of um, female hygiene products. So I went on their website a while ago, and they had wipes. They had um, sexual hygiene products. They have pads. They have all sorts of things um, that made me go, I want all of these things. I put them on my Christmas list to Santa Claus. Yeah. So that I could take care of my hoo-hoo. And it's organic cotton. I, you know, truth in advertising, I don't have a uterus anymore. Right. So a lot of my memory of tampons is painful insertion and fear. And it never crossed my mind Mm. that, oh, by the way, also you're leaching chlorine bleach into your body. Yeah. You're putting, like, I'm not going to put it in my mouth, but I had no problem putting it in my hooch. Right. And they don't use chlorine bleach. No. Um, organic cotton, they're using products that are much better to be in your body. Yep, no dyes, fragrances. They also are a female company. Yeah. Made for women, by women. And this is the thing that we want to support. I love hearing about all these companies. I feel like suddenly women CEOs are taking over the world, and I love that. Co-founders, Jordana Keir. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Alexandra Friedman. So they started this company, and we're so happy and honored to support them and so happy and honored that they chose to support us in return. They have a trial set. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read this. It's a f- each featuring a mixed assortment of period products made with 100% organic cotton for just 5 bucks. The sets include six compact plastic applicator tampons, one light, two regular, two super, one super plus, paired with two ultra-thin liners or two cleansing wipes. You go on their website and uh, you are entered to the recurring delivery. Right. Which is customizable. You can pick what you want. Do your thing. uh, Do your thing. It is also very easy to unsubscribe. Yes. Which is important. And the website is? And the website is, if you go visit mylola.com, and enter Wayward, you get 30% off. Ooh. Yay, team. 30%. So you can Thank make you, your... Lola. Thank you, Lola. Thank you, Wayward. One more thing I want to mention is that Lola is making uh, an impact um, on the rest of the world. Um, to date, Lola has donated over 2 million period products through their charity partner, I Support the Girls. And in 2019... Um, They had a groundbreaking advocacy campaign um, with Period Equity, the nation's first law and policy organization devoted to fighting for menstrual equity. I love this. Uh, This November, they announced the tampon tax protest. Thank you for the love of God. Why is there fucking taxes on tampons? Sorry, I probably can't swear on this ad. Um, I think we've gone past our 60 seconds. At this point, this is just us. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I love what they're doing. And uh, go check them out, everybody. We're so happy to be partnering with them. Yes. One more time. It was... MyLola.com. With Wayward as a promo. Also, so they know you heard that here. Yay. Um... We get re- I get really nervous about Valentina at school. This is her first year at school. And so I get this. I remember the first time we dropped her off and I was watching her play in the playground. And I was just like on the sidelines going, oh, my God. You just watch like you can clearly see the mean kids. In this case, they were boys and, you know, pretending to hit her and stuff like that. And her kind of reeling but not really being emotionally affected. Her just being kind of like, 
well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play with you then. Uh, but me going, you stay away from her. But you can't, I couldn't, you know, get in there, and that doesn't solve anything in the long term. But what I do now is every day when she comes home from school, I go, how was school? And inevitably she goes, it was good, you know, like mm-hmm. any kid. And I always say, um, what was your favorite part and what was your biggest challenge? And then I also talk about my favorite part and my biggest challenge from the day. And my thought behind this was is going that way when there is an issue at school, she it won't be so foreign for her to open up to me. Yeah. It won't necessarily mean that she will tell me everything, but we will be in the process of us telling each other our hard things that when there is a problem with bullying or, you know, school work or whatever, it will just be the norm for her to come to me. So in, you know, preparation for, you know, raising a girl, which inevitably have, they have very different experiences on this world than boys. um, I am trying to prepare for what I would have liked those big conversations to have been when I was young, but it was a different time. And that's no judgment on my parents or my mom. The the same conversations weren't had. I didn't have a conversation about non-binary when I was, you know, 13. I want your advice Mm. because something just came up. Um, I have a hard time talking to Tabby about people who are mean Mm. in a way that doesn't then make her responsible for their feelings. I will describe someone, generally people are mean because they're feeling scared, Mm -hmm. because they need something that they don't think they have, in a lot of ways that kind of might um, dissipate the power of the meanness, but it then transfers... The responsibility. The responsibility, yes. How do I talk to Tabby about the fact that there are mean people in this world and she doesn't need to accept that. She doesn't need to address it. She can... I think those are two different things. She doesn't need to accept that and she doesn't need to address that. I think that it's true she doesn't need to... She doesn't need to accept that as like, that's a negative thing that I'm going to reflect on. But I don't think she actively needs to do anything. So I have the same conversation with Valentina, which is, you know, mean people often have hard times, especially children. If children are mean, there's a good chance they're having a hard time at home or they're not getting what they want at home, which is often attention or love or whatever. Um, But what we're doing, and this is actually working because we just had a parent-teacher conference with her teacher, is that we're teaching Valentina that she's a leader. Um, now she's a, a outgoing, gregarious kid for her age, but in my personal experience and also the experience I've seen with youngsters and even growing up, I feel like the more you can empower somebody, the, um, the stronger they feel. So in talking about mean people, if we teach Valentina that it's not her job to be kind to a mean person, it's it's her honor in this world to share that because they're not getting it elsewhere. Um, so it feels awful and awkward for somebody to be mean to you, but if you can flip that switch and if she, we can teach her to flip that switch younger than I did, you know, growing up, um, to go, a mean person 
is not a bad person. They're probably a sad person. And to quickly flip from um, victim to leader, then it doesn't continue the cycle of meanness. Because what we inevitably see, especially in school, is bullying begets bullying. Anger begets anger. When I was going to school, there was always a totem pole of bullying. This guy bullied this guy, this guy. Everybody needed somebody Mm -hmm. to pick on. If there was somebody going, no, I see what's happening here. I'm sorry for you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this relay, the yeah. baton. I'm gonna drop yeah. the negative baton. Now that doesn't mean that Valentina has to go actively every day and check in on that person. That just means you know, in her body, in her spirit, and I know Tabby would understand that to give them love. Now that's a big concept for little ones to understand, but. What we are trying to do slowly is every day, incrementally, teach Valentina that um, love is more important than fear. Mm-hmm. Because bullying is just so present in schools. Well, and and in this world. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, I I have had Tabby a couple of times ask about political stuff. Oh, boy. And uh, how should she identify with a party or something like that and I do the same thing (laughs) like you've got friends that are talking about the president and she comes home and is repeats those things and I just have to say this is a big concept that I have narrowed down for her when she repeats something that I know she's heard because I didn't come out of our I say why do you say that think about what you say and that's where I drop it. If you don't have experience with an actual thing, mm-hmm. don't don't say it. Yeah, that's it's great. It's really super simple. Yeah. If you don't know for a fact that this is true, don't say it's truth. And um, <clears throat> that's helped me a lot, too. Yeah. So activism. That's a big idea that I've had to explain to Tabby. Mm. Because she and it, I used to despair, despair that she was not world conscious. And that's unfair of me to do because she's a kid. Yeah. And now she's starting to organically understand that there are things she does that impacts the world, like recycling, mm-hmm. conserving water, think we compost. Um, but now she's terrified that the world's going to end. Mm-hmm. So talking to her about Big ideas, like she knows that there's hurricanes. She sees that because they talk about these things in the world or in her school about world events. And and so paring down huge, huge, huge terrifying concepts into, and she, we went through a pretty big, not a big earthquake, like some stuff knocked over. But for her, it was big. And so the idea of having an impact on the world in a way that isn't fear-based. Right. And instead is loving and fun. But children are, I mean, it's so funny. They are fear-based. You bring up that stuff and Valentina has uh, developed, not developed, but she heard what tornadoes are and then was instantly like, where am I? Is this? Yeah. And then where do we go when the tornado Have you ever been in a tornado? And I was like, I have once when I was a kid. Uh... And it was okay, and it was scary, but we were okay. And so 
at school, Valentina does earthquake drills, like we did fire drills, mm-hmm. right? And so that is no thing to her. I remember being terrified of fires when I was little. I remember like talking to my entire family, sitting them down. I was like 10 or 11 and going, this is what we have. This is what we do if there's a fire in the house. Like I had a whole plan because yep. They, yep. they teach you that stuff in school to be scared of it. And it's good. These are good things because if you're scared of them, then you will make a plan. Right. But my question is like, have you, I know in the States you have to do different drills. Oh, man. So that's why I just, I you couldn't see me out there, but I just raised my finger in yeah. a, that's a point. Because I think, oh, big idea. I think making something actionable yeah. is a good way to describe it to a child and to my inner child. Mm. Because so much of what I respond to doesn't feel actionable. Yes. Like the sh- active shooter drills. Yes. People are shooting oh, up schools. God. People are shooting up schools. Oh, my God. I People are shooting up everything. Oh, my God. And when I think about this, my response is, you're absolutely right, Tabby. Let's climb under That's the bed and never leave. I don't think I, I would ever leave. explain that to Valentina because she'd be like, People bring guns because we don't really have nobody has guns in Canada. Kids, Jesus Christ! And so, how do I discuss this in a way that doesn't perpetuate the terror that I feel, feel. which is which is viable terror? Yeah. So, what you just said, I think, might be a key for me, which is what is actionable Mm -hmm. about this instead of either ignoring it, which is. Really, my instinct. Me I can't too. address this, so I just am going to... Um, is what is actionable? What are we doing to stay safe at schools? So you know how you do this? This keeps you safe at school. You know how this is... It? They have... They have... This is why it's so specifically hard to get into your school. You know, there's someone there who will keep... And it is their job to keep you safe. I won't lie to her and say they will keep you safe. But I will remind her that there are people whose job it is to keep her safe. And I will remind her that how many people do you know that are happy and are good people and yeah. are present? And and so redirecting that fear into we're gonna be we're all gonna be good people and we are all going to make sure that the world is safe and we are all going to do and I know that over oversimplifies it and it sets up for why do good things happen to bad people when I've done everything that but right now I don't have to deal with that. Like, and that's another like, permission I give myself. Don't we deserve to oversimplify right now? Aren't we making things way more complicated generally on a regular basis? I feel like I'm overcomplicating things constantly. I'm like, I'm going to fucking oversimplify this for five seconds. Yes. We deserve to oversimplify things. It's okay. Sometimes things are just that simple. And that's why I wanted to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Because even for listeners who don't have children, sometimes we get to talk to ourselves this way. Oh, yeah. You reparent yourself. Sometimes mean people hurt your feelings, but they're probably really sad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Sometimes your body does stuff that you don't understand, but it makes sense and you can love yourself through it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> How do we feel we did? I think we did good. Um, um, I'm proud yeah. of us, Kim. I'm proud of us, too. And our very first advertiser. I'm proud of you, Lola. 
Thank you, Lola. Love you, Kim Rhodes. I love you, Brianna Buckmaster. Thank you.